Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Today I want to continue what I started last week on Psalm 107. Psalm 107 tells us about the work of mercy, of grace and power that God does for those in need. But I want us to look at a different perspective now, not just about who has God helped and examples of that, but rather as the church being the bride of Christ, as one analogy goes, and as the body of Christ, as another analogy goes. And so when we say that God does his work, that God redeems those who have fallen away, that God feeds the hungry, that leads the lost into a city, that God sets people free, then we ask, what then is the role of the church, the body of Christ and the bride of Christ? When we talk about bride of Christ, it's not just, well, get married. But a bride then is one who shares the heart of the groom, whose heart resonates with the groom, who loves the things that the groom loves and hates the things that the groom hates. Then so by extension, we ask ourselves, what is the role of the church as God helps the needy and the poor? Last week, we talked about three situations. First, those who were poor, those who were hungry and thirsty. Hungry and thirsty for food, natural food, as well as hungry and thirsty for their souls. And the role of the church then is to feed the hungry with food, but also to feed the hungry in their souls, to lead them to God, to help them to trust in Jesus, who alone will be their strength. The second situation then are those who became prisoners by their own rebellion. These are people who, well, who were led into bondages, whether it's addictions or slavery to their habits, or even allowed themselves to be bound even by evil spirits. And these are people who, are, who live in darkness and in torment. And God wants to set them free, to bring them out of the world of darkness. And the church's role in this as well. We talked a bit about demon possession, how we can cast out demons in the name of Jesus. How then we can set people free, not because we are great, but because we are the body of God, body of Christ. And then we also talked about those who seemingly looks like they are drug addicts. They were fools through their sinful ways and because of iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near the gates of death. These were people who became very sick because of their own sin. Not everyone who is sick is, is sick because of their sin. But these were people who because of their sin became sick. The role of the church then again is to heal the sick, to restore, to bring God's forgiveness to people. You know, it just reminds me of this, the four friends who brought their paralyzed friend to see Jesus. And Jesus, instead of telling him, get up and walk, said to him, your sins are forgiven. The reality is that there are times when the gravity of our sin paralyzes us and causes us to be sick. And our great need is not just physical healing. Our great need is that we know that our sins are forgiven, that we restored that we are God's beloved once again. And so the role of the church then is to 
minister to these people as God ministers to them. For one, it is sheltering them and loving them while God sets them free. For others, it is feeding them and feeding their souls as well. Today, we want to look at two more situations. So let's turn to Psalm 107. We shall read from verse 23 to verse 43. Let us look at verse 23 to verse 43 of Psalm 107. Let us pray. Father, indeed you are a mighty God. You are God who works miracles. And you are God who has a heart for the downtrodden, even for sinners who have brought trouble upon themselves. That you look at every person in trouble, in chains, in darkness, and you love them. And you want to redeem them, you want to bring them to feed their souls and their lives. God, you created us, you called us to be a church. We may be your hands and your feet, your body and your bride. Help us then, Lord, as we listen to your word, as we meditate on your word, that we may know what you have called us for and to believe that because it is you who is working, you will do mighty works through us as we express your heart to the world. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 23 Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea, they mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths. The courage melted away in their evil plight. They, re they reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. The waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Verse 33, He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a waste, salty waste, because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish the city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards, and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly, and he does not let the livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless ways. But he raises up the needy out of affliction, makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here we have two situations. The first situation is about those who went down into the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw how God commanded storms, how God did his wondrous works in the deep. This, And then they were caught in a storm, they went up, they went down, and then they cried to the Lord when they were down. It reminds me of those who do go out to do their careers, normal people. Normal people who go about their work, 
And then they see work of God blessing them, bringing them prosperity. But we realize too that in all our lives, our fortunes go up and they go down. I pastor in churches where some have become very rich, but even those who have become very rich suddenly become very poor as well. I knew a man who was so rich, he lived in a mansion and had several other mansions to rent out. And then he fell very ill. And in his illness, he still had lots of money, but he had no health to enjoy it. In fact, he and a few two other family members were just kept in one room because they were paralyzed in a house, in a mansion that had more than 10 rooms. We see then the poverty of such a life. A person with a, living in a house with 10 rooms and yet only occupying one bedroom with two of his family members because all three of them were bedridden. Fortunes change. Sometimes we are up in the peak of prosperity, in the peak of good health and, and good fortune. And then, for unexplained reasons, we start, our fortunes suddenly just crash. Whether it's an illness, our illness, an illness of family member, or some business failure, or some unexpected, unforeseen tragedy, our fortunes crumble. I've worked with people who were super rich also, who, who flew first class all the way and then suddenly lost all their fortune, lost the house, lost the car, lost their wealth altogether. Lifestyle change and despair taking over. In life, there are lots of unpredictable events. One of the things then that we realize as we face the present is that there are many among us who are also going through very hard times. At one time, they were independent of the church. They didn't need anything from other people. They had money and some of them even gave generously to the poor and to the church. But sometimes fortunes change and suddenly they discover that their business fails, they're unable to work, they're unable to have an income. What then does God do? They cried to the Lord in despair. It says that in 26, they mounted heavens, they went down to death, their courage melted away in their evil plight. Evil not in their sinful plight, but in the plight that was such a terrible plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. The, what God did was that he calmed the seas, he calmed their hearts, he brought them to a safe place. This too is the role of the church. There are people who are at the wit's end in despair because of the change of their fortunes. What they need then is the assuring, assurance of the church that we are with them that we can help them in their poverty. But more than that, we are the stable force that prays to God and assures them that it is God who will sustain them. I think many of you know families like that. Families in our congregation, families among us, but also families outside of us who then turn to us for help. And the church is called then to give them an assurance that we are with them that God is with them 
and as the bride of Christ, we are with them as well. That we will care for them, we will shelter them as we can. But then we also point them to God alone who will lead them to the safe haven. But as the bride of Christ, it is for us to share with them the empathy, the compassion of Christ, and then to assure them that Christ, our bridegroom, will watch over them. Let's keep an eye on those among us as they go through for bad fortunes, as they, as they experience pain in their lives. Can we be a church that will come alongside them? What does it mean to come alongside them? It's not just to leave them alone. I think we need to get to know people more intimately. It is not just the role of the church, of the pastors. One of the things I'm very proud of, Agape, is that many people in need are cared for by others. In my conversations with church members, they'll tell me, you know, this person is really struggling and several of us are journeying with that person. That is community life. There are times when the church as an institution can give, can, can give payments, can give financial aid. But as a family, as a group of brothers and sisters, we too can help out. Whether it's just gathering around them and loving them, sometimes even supporting them financially. Sometimes it is doing things for them, providing transport, um, visiting them, praying with them. But just the sense that they are not recipients of charity, but they are loved by a community. Community that will gather around them and assure them that as God is with them, so are we. There is no greater comfort than those of friends. Just the church giving is often cold. But when church members surround them, and sometimes they can't give and that's fine, but sometimes we just surround them and love them and hold them in prayer, reminding them that we are turning to God our Father to help them because we believe that he, His heart is with them. It's really necessary. And one of the good things is our, our lunch fellowship, where our lunch fellowship goes beyond just casual talk and having good food. In fact, food should be the least of your concerns. Enjoy the food, whatever it is. Some weeks is good, some weeks is not so good, right? Some weeks I hear lots of complaints, and some weeks um, people say compliment the food. But really, the food isn't that important. It is that you come to lunch prayerfully, asking the Lord that you may go deeper into conversations with others, that you may know each other's joys and each other's struggles, and then that you may be an encouragement to them, an assurance that you stand with each other. This is one of the main roles of the church. The second incident that uh, Samis brings up, well, there are five altogether, so the last one, is about God turning rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground and the fruitful land into salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. And yet he turns a desert into pools of water. So what God does is, when people are wicked and evil, he is able to turn their lives, their fortunes into dry land. God is above all and God is powerful. Likewise, a person who is poor, God can lift them up and the desert can turn into pools of water. 
Such is the power of our Lord. Let us never forget this, that our God transcends all things. Just because a person looks powerful and untouchable, someone like Putin looks powerful, someone like Elon Musk looks like he will never lose his fortune. But let's not be fooled by that, because God is far more powerful than either of them. But let us also remember something else. What God will do, first of all, He will lift up those who are brought low. In verse 21, 41, it says, He raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all weakness shuts their mouth. We must never forget that God has a bias for the poor. As we read all the Psalms, especially when we read this Psalm, one of the things that stands out is that God has a bias, God has a heart for those in trouble. Those even when they brought a sin upon themselves, when they turned to Him, he had, His heart is with them. And God's heart is for the poor. And so as we go through our church and look at the poor, they are not to be forgotten. The migrant workers, the poor in our community, the poor in our church, they are not the ones to be forgotten. They are the ones whom God puts the most attention because His heart is for them. What God wants to do is to prosper them. You know, as we minister to these poor people, we remember this one truth, that God wants to prosper them. Part of it is from us. A lot of it is not from us. Only God can do it. But if we hold in our hearts and our minds the truth that God's heart is with them and for them, then though we can do little, He wants to prosper them. I think about social workers and the challenges, working with the most broken and the poorest of people, even working in our social concerns as um, we discuss cases. And often we just throw our hands up in despair and we say, how this family, just look at this income. His income will never match up to his expense. Not because he's a spendthrift, not because he throws money away, but because of his circumstances, no matter how hard he works, he will never catch up with the debts that he has or the liabilities that he has, expenses he has every day. And we say, how this person is going to be a chronically dependent person? As we pray for them, in our heart of hearts, we must hold this one truth, that God wants to prosper them, that He wants to raise up the needy out of the affliction and make the families like flocks, so that we, the upright, who see it, will be glad, and the wicked will shut their mouths. It's a work of faith. It's not just a work of charity, not just a work of giving financial aid. It's a work of faith, believing, that God loves the poor, the afflicted, that God wants to prosper them. But the Bible, this psalm also uses very strong words about the oppressors. Verse 39 says, He pours, verse 40, it says, He pours contempt on princes, makes them in wonder, to wander in trackless ways. Those who oppress do evil and cause sorrow that God pours contempt 
on the rulers who oppress others. Sometimes as Christians we are too gentle and that's that's good in one sense, we're too gentle. Say in our prayers for Ukraine, we often just pray for the Ukrainians who are suffering very much. But the truth is that God is contemptuous. Contempt is a terrible word, it's a fierce word. He looks down on them, he hates them. He will tear them because they're nothing in his sight. That's how strong the language is. And so when we think about the oppressors, the kings, the Putins and the Russian elite who are causing so much pain, we also feel the heart and the anger and the contempt of God. That those who arrogate themselves, who say we are stronger than anyone, no one can come after us because we are powerful, they have received the contempt of God. That he will tear them down, he will make them walk in trackless ways, meaning that they will go into wilderness where they cannot find their way. God will tear down, and so we pray that God, even as God helps the victims of atrocities, God will tear down the powers, the weapons of the arrogant. And that's where the indignation of God is. He's not always a gentle God. The arrogant will face his wrath and his contempt. And it is right for us then to pray also that God will show his contempt and pour his contempt on those who bully others. That's not the end of the story because when they turn in repentance, God will have mercy. But as long as they remain arrogant and cause and oppress others, God will hurt them and God will pour his contempt. He will destroy them in his ways, in ways that people will recognize that it is God alone and not human efforts. And so the way I pray about the Russian-Ukrainian war is that God will destroy the elite, that God will bring them to their faces. God will destroy the weapons, they will turn the people against them, he will turn the weapons against them, he will turn their schemes on the heads of those who have schemed them. And I believe then that this is the sentiment of God until they turn in repentance. God indeed has a bias to the helpless, to the poor, to the needy, to the oppressed. And we need to put that in our hearts, that the ones who are oppressed are not people who can we can bully even more. They are people whose rights and whose needs we need to look to because that is what our God does. As we conclude this time in the Psalms, it's one more session by Pastor Jason. This is my last. <laughs> but it's been a blessing as I get to know God in deeper ways, the heart of God, the beauty of God. He pours his heart to us. Let us then as a church Continue to listen to the heart of God. And then next year as we do our own Bible readings, I know some of you have enjoyed cooking while listening to the podcast. Uh, some of you listen to it in the toilet, I know. Some of you go for walks. Well, another way of doing your meditations is to read the word first at the start. Memorize a certain passage. For example, you find that out of this long two chapters, there's one verse that is that stands out for you. Memorize that. Just even if you can't memorize it word for word, you know, just the sense of it. 
And then, as you cook, as you sit in the toilet, as you go for walks, as you travel in the bus or drive, think through that verse and allow God to speak to you. God will speak powerfully to you because He wants to express His heart to you. It's been a pleasure sharing my life, my thoughts, my insights with you. I look forward to, to the time when, when you read, you can also share your thoughts, your insights with each of us. Let us pray. Father, indeed, you are the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe. Before you, Lord, all creatures are nothing. They are like a mist. They grow one day and they die the next. So, Father, keep us humble, and yet not just humble for ourselves, but allow us to see that those who call themselves powerful, who see themselves as untouchable, are actually nothing in your sight. Nor are we, Lord, we too are nothing in your sight, and yet, and yet we are the apple of your eye. Though we, have, we are insignificant, though we have nothing to contribute, though we are poor, yet, Lord, we are precious to you. Father, help us to see too that your heart, your bias is for the needy, for the broken, for the enslaved, to the poor. That we may have eyes to see the poor in a different light, not as people whom we will despise, not as people whom we will neglect or forget easily, but people on whom your eyes are fixed in your heart is for them. That we may believe too that even in their distress you are there with them and you will work mighty works for them. But let us, Lord, indeed be your bride, the one who shares your heart, who feels exactly how you feel, who loves the things that you love and hates the things that you hate, who are a reflection of who you are. Because that's what your church is. Let us be that too, Lord, that we may reflect your nature and your love and believe with all our hearts that, as you have said, you will lift up the broken, you will bring light to those in darkness, you will set free those in chains. Indeed, you will do so. Put that faith in our hearts. So, Lord, continue to try and change, to build up this church that we may indeed be a people after your heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again, and um, look forward to meeting all of you every week. Um, I know some of you listeners are not in our church and not in our country even. Well, do join us too in our daily Bible reading. It will be all found in our website. We want to grow together. Our purpose is not to grow this church membership. Our purpose is that each of us is drawn closer and closer to knowing our Lord Jesus Christ and His Father, God, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Goodbye.